This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. W- what is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! Ready! Down! Set! Hut! 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 Hit me! Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom! It's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Carrie, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. Welcome back to the final regular season edition of the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast. And uh, we are joined by Eddie Radosevich, who has made his way back uh, from Lubbock and Amarillo. And Eddie, I'm guessing the best part of your trip this weekend was the Eskridge Lexus. Yeah, I would say so. I would say that was probably the most <laughs> enjoyable part, driving the hell out of Lubbock. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, that, no, it was, it was great. The IS350, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to drive. I, I think I'm... Uh, I'm, it's almost like I have a weekend car with uh, with Lexus with all the road trips that we've made. So uh, we're back in one piece, and uh, this is going to be a fun one, right? Uh, well, it, I don't know. What would be more fun? I'm, I'm sitting here watching Alabama and North Carolina in four overtimes right now, uh, along with the uh, Chiefs destroying the Rams without Matthew Stafford. So it's probably going to be kind of like that. There's a lot of things to get to. It's going to be extensive. Um, you were there, you were on the field. I was watching that game in Stillwater, just thinking my lucky stars that you weren't in the state doing a game because man, poor West Virginia, they just play in shit weather, no matter what they got to travel all that way. And then they got to play. That was, that looked ungodly, just awful that game in Stillwater, but it also looked ungodly awful at the end of OU Texas tech, because I don't know why you stormed the field when you're six and six, but Apparently, you said that the fans that stormed the field were not there to celebrate. They were there. They were there to sell a hate. Apparently, yeah, they were there. To, they were there to talk shit. There was no doubt about that. It was uh, that was about as like I don't know. I don't know if scary is the right word, but uh, like as close to pandemonium as I've seen on the field for a uh, field storm uh, with Oklahoma here over the last couple years. And it was it was wild. Jeremiah Cordell like threw a guy and I'm pretty sure the guy ended up uh, getting arrested because there were some people uh, in front of the OU tunnel after the game that uh, were getting cuffed up. So it was, I don't know. It was, it was, it was kind of a rowdy atmosphere, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, And which is funny because at the beginning of the game, I had DM'd you guys in the war room and said, that was like about as dead as I could remember the place. And then especially when they're up 24 to six. So it was uh, it was wild. It was a wild night in Lubbock, and uh, they're like starting a $210 million renovation down in the south end zone yeah, there too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was 
I don't know. I mean, to say that it was enjoyable would probably be lying. It was, uh, it, it is what it is. The season's kind of is what it is. Yeah. And, you know, I think I sat this afternoon and, and scoured over all the interviews from, from after the game. And, uh, if you're a fan, that stuff probably doesn't make you feel any better. Um, you know, essentially, you finish the season at six and six. Still have a bowl game left, uh, but you have a lot of uncertainty uh, in terms of who's staying, who's 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 going to declare, who's going to sit out the bowl game, um, all of that stuff. And and then the transfer portal. You know, even though it's not officially open, people are declaring for the portal already. Seems like A and M's going to be hit awfully hard. People keep asking me, who do you see from OU entering the portal? And I think they'll. Yeah, you know, I, here's the thing. I think there's going to be some surprises because I think there are some guys on this team that are not bought in. And, you know, Brent Venables is teaching, uh, you know, patience and, and sticking to it and uh, trusting in the process and believing in, in, in what they're trying to do. I think that's how you find out, like, the guys that aren't really bought in. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, this guy's entering the portal. And I, I don't know, Eddie, I think, some people need to enter the portal like that. Yeah, if I, you're not I, bought in, you need to. You probably need to find a different place to play. Yeah, I would say so. And I, you know, I think that they're obviously going through a little bit of a culture shift. Uh, maybe not even a little bit. It's it's a lot of a culture shift. Talk to Marvin Mims about it after the game. Uh, you know, I there's it's going to be interesting to see what guys uh, enter the portal, what guys decide to leave early. Uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be a handful of those guys. We'll see who's going to play in the bowl game. That was a, a big topic of conversation after the game last night. So I don't know, man. It, 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 they said all the right things. You hear, you know, Danny Stutzman, you hear Theo Weiss, which, you know, if you haven't watched the Danny Stutzman postgame interview, that's something that I would. Uh, Are you proud of getting shit uh, out in a question? The word shit? I mean, I'm not proud of it, but there, there's truly no other way to describe what I was trying to ask as far as why they handle things so poorly. Uh, it's a little hard to believe that they truly believe that. I don't know. Like, I, you, you just watch that, and it's almost— We've talked about it so much before. It's just like— There's just like know. a who-gives-a-shit attitude. Yeah. And I know that, like, it, I know that they don't think that they went out there and did well— I mean, they obviously didn't. They gave up 51 points on Saturday night. It just—I want to know, like, I, who does Curtis Lofton want to kill on that team? Yeah, like I, I, I would imagine that I, there's a lot of this. I, I, the, the, the sole guys. I mean, he and Josh Norman, they have to know which guys have a, a give or shit or not. I mean, and, I mean that. I just, you know, it's it's hard it, to it goes, dis, it's hard to it decipher go, what I saw last night. I mean. Yeah. It was a it was a defense that played really well early, shut down the run. They had negative eight rushing yards in the first quarter, uh, and then all of a sudden, like they don't play downhill on defense anymore. They lose the edge, and you know Tech realizes that okay, just run everything around the outside. We can fold in the edges, and uh, you know, and they ran uh, Sir Roderick. What's his name? <laughs> I just remember Sir Roderick is just the greatest first name. It's like S E R O D. Anyway. Uh, is it Thompson, Sirotic Thompson? Like they just ran him to death. I mean, he couldn't even finish the game because he had he had he had been getting popped left and right, and and it was just like you you know you see that defense in the first quarter, and then you you feel like you're back to some of the worst defenses of the OU era over the last ten years because you feel like there's no chance in hell that they're ever going to get a stop again. Like how they does just, that switch flip? 
I, I, I truly like, and I, I think that, you know, we've talked about it before, like Brent Venables and those guys on the defensive side of the football have to just be at their wits end as far as like, how do we reach these guys? They, they can't be reached. And I, I think that there is just, you know, we've talked about this before. We've talked about it. I think after every loss this year, just as far as there is such a mentality down there and it's so fragile when things go bad, they almost just kind of expect it and then say, okay, well, here we go again. And they just can't get anything back on the tracks. I just, I don't know how that's going to be changed overnight. There's obviously a little bit of maturity that needs to be done. Uh, you know, certainly with some of the, the, uh, the quote unquote leaders on the defense and, uh, you know, I, you you walk out of there with a lot more questions than even if they would have been able to escape and you finish the season seven and five, six and six, we had talked about all week, how big of a difference that was. And it just, it was an extremely frustrating performance in that it just continues to happen over and over and over again. Uh, whether it be just flat out undisciplined football, inability to take any type of momentum in a football game, uh, like I, I've never seen a team that just refuses to befriend momentum like this team did. Yeah. Every time yeah. that there was a chance within a game where you could really, you know, step on a throat and extend a lead and maybe put a game out of reach, not only did they give it right back, but they would they would basically piss down their legs so bad that they would actually be down by the end of the uh, the spiral. It, it it truly is kind of incredible to watch. Yeah, it's not so much that they they you know can't handle prosperity. It's that they can't seize momentum. To me, yeah, like it's just like it's there for the taking. And, and it's just you know you you talk about leadership. Like I truly believe that like Braden Willis is a leader, and he leads by example, and he leads by his words. I don't see anybody like that on the defensive side of the ball that is a difference maker like Braden Willis is. It's almost like if you could... Uh, uh, the, 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 I, I almost made a terrible example. I was thinking about uh, the movie Get Out and transplanting uh, Justin Broyles' brain into, to, uh, um, into uh, Danny Stutzman's head. Like, if you could give Danny Stutzman... Justin Broyles' attitude, like he he'd probably be an All American, but he just doesn't seem to be that type of guy. He needs to mature. I I, I don't think that there's any doubt about that. And I you know hell, Danny might even say that he needs to mature a little bit. I it by the way that was your is this racist segment for the post game right there. That's fine. It, it was a movie though. It uh I don't know it it's. It's it's hard to look at the future right now and find a whole lot of positives. I know that there's some positives within that, within everything, within the entire season. Uh, right now, it's really hard to look up and go, yeah, I really like what they might have, you know, coming back. Obviously, they're going to have a lot of guys coming back. Like, they're not going to lose a ton of guys off the defense. Uh, it just, it it's really rough to watch. There's, like, the... It, how do you like the the Woody Washington offsides mm -hmm. to go from third and seven to third and two? It just it's incredible. And then you give up a a third and nine on a screen. The Theo East touchdown where, where Matire and and Anton Harrison aren't set when they snap the ball and they score a touchdown that gets taken away. Like 
how does that happen? Like, I mean, I know how it happens. You're, you're trying to go so damn fast that you don't even give your lineman time to get set. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it's just like the inattention to detail. And I think that that's like the biggest thing that I take away from year one under Brent Venables is as much as they preach that, you would think that like those are things that at some point they would just start coming together. And it seems like it, it went in the opposite direction. Like all six of their losses out, well, four of the six for sure. We can, you can debate the Texas and the TCU games. Those were ass whoopings. But the four of the six losses, you can go back and look at particular plays where if you just don't fuck up, you're probably going to have a chance to win the game. And, and last night was like the kind of the cherry on top. It's like the fake field goal, which, you know, at the time I, I love a fake field goal. Maybe you take the points there though. Yeah. I mean, but, but it's open. Like it was a perfect play call. If you execute it properly, but then uh, again, Brady then Wolf again, like people are like, oh, in. people. I mean, and I even know, you know, us and our my friends that are texting me, and I can't. I sometimes I can't remember what's what was in a text group and what was in the war room because everybody's texting me. But like, I know the majority of people were like, oh, that's a mistake kicking that field goal to go up forty eight forty five because they're just going to go down and score. But it would have worked out. I mean, like if, if the defense just would have made a stop, like it would have worked out, and it almost did. But yeah. I mean, they tied up, you go to overtime, and then you have some of the worst ex offensive execution we've seen all season. It just, the the whole thing, like, it it was just, it, and I don't know, Kerry, it just seems like everything is just, and this is like one of those things that I can handle going 6-6. Six and six. I can handle watching this team go 6-6. Six and six. It is what it is. It just seemed like everything was so discombobulated at times. And that's worrisome. In terms of just, you know, kind of the direction of the program, obviously, it, it, you just wonder, like, is everything behind the scenes OK or is it as chaotic as it appears? And if it's as chaotic as it appears, well, that's really a big problem. And you start wondering if Brent Venables can do this. Well, and that's another thing. It's like, you know, there's so much talk about oh what what are they going to change like what's Brent going to do are they going to get rid of Ted Roof are they going to do this are they going to uh you know here's my thinking on Brent and and you know listening to the players last night um you know this is it's one of those things like these defensive players they're used to things just going to shit and they've seen it before and then they've They've been around while other coaches come in and are like, we're going to do it our way and it's going to work. And then it doesn't work. And then it's just like you there's such a culture of these guys tuning out their coaches on the defensive side of the ball. Like it and it's almost like you, you mentioned it earlier. Like, when are these guys going to listen? When are they going to figure it out? When are they going to when are they going to listen to the coaches? Like. That's something that they've been trained to stop doing is, is to not really think that what the coaches are telling them is important on the, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. It, did you watch the Marvin Mims post game? Yes. That we, we did. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a little unfair that I was asking about it because a lot of the problems are, you know, obviously like yeah, Marvin he had, had, a, he had, a, he had a great game, day, yeah. but it, you know, I, I, he's obviously a leader on the football team. Yeah, and he's a guy he you can, think that cares. He can, I think he does care. He can talk about just kind of the overall change. He's been around the program for a long time. And, you know, I, I asked him if, 
you know, if at times it was too much change within a season, within 11 months. And, you know, I, I think that he kind of agreed that there was there there was probably a lot more change. And that's affected guys more than we than we probably think it does. We think, you know, Brent was going to come in. Everything was going to be like everybody's just going to be disciplined because they're working out with Schmitty all the time. And I think that, you know, they are college kids to a certain extent. But at the same time, there's shit that happened throughout the season that and, you know, Marvin, he'd, he'd be the first one to raise his hand. He'd drop a couple balls uh, uh, in Morgantown. It's like they just there was stuff that happened that just can't happen can't happen at a division one program, let alone a school like Oklahoma. Well, and that's, I, I think I was trying to make that point. I, I, let my, I sidetracked myself, but like people keep asking about what's break, what, what, what's Brent going to do to fix this? Who's he going to get yeah. rid of? Who's going to bring, I, I think here's, here's my take on it. I don't think there's going to be like big changes. Brent won't change a thing because Brent's trying to, I mean, he's trying to get these guys to realize that if they just listen to what they're telling them, they have the people in place to make this t- make make this turnaround happen. Like, and Brent's whole thing is like, look, this isn't easy. Becoming great is not easy, and you can't just sit there and and play, um, you know, just just replace a game piece and it's going to change everything. Like, it's a culture thing. We keep using that word, I know, but. They have to change the culture in this program. They have to get more people in here that have been through the practices, learning, like these 15 practices for the bowl game. That's what they need. They need all these younger guys to get reps in this system, both offensively and defensively. So at some point, if a guy goes down, uh, you can actually have next man up. Like you, you don't really have that right now with this team. I mean, that's proven by Davis Bevel. And by yeah. the way, he came in the game last night after that. Which I, I still think that was a ridiculous play call for the first play of overtime, getting your quarterback killed like that. Um, but, like, they have to get more experience in this system. They have to get more talent in this system. They have to get people that can – like, anywhere you go, you're not just going to have the perfect personnel for your system when it's a different system. There's always going to be, oh, we need more guys, you know – at the corner, we need a safety that can do this because he's been asked to do this most of his career. We need, especially with defensive linemen, like we need a true nose technique. Like we need, a, 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 you know, guys that can play certain things in our defense that can do certain things. We need edge rushers that not only can rush the passer, but can hold their edge. You know, it's like there's so many pieces that they have to add to, to, to allow them to be successful running their system. And I think we all expected it to happen overnight, and it just it didn't. And, and it wasn't going to. And we just yeah. weren't able to be honest about that. Well, and I, there, there's also an element, too, that I don't think that anybody could have predicted that, like, again, when things go bad with this team, it went they terribly yeah. wrong. Like, shit hit the fan. And, I mean, I, there, there's no better example than you're sitting there in the second quarter where – you're up 24 to six. You dominated the first half. There's three and a half minutes left, and you somehow went into the locker room up by one. Yeah. That is like, I would love to see some type of analytical breakdown of how many times that happened in college football this year. 
it couldn't have happened very often. And, it, and it's the same old story. The offense gives up the ball in less than a minute, and the defense can't stop anybody. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, you know, that kind of leads into offensively just. And this is why, by the way, this is why everybody was so pissed about that during the Oklahoma State game. Because, yeah. like, you do that, and normally a team, like, if that would have been Tech, they would have they won by 14 points the night they played OSU if they did all that stuff. I mean, they, it, the, the, the crazy thing about it is, is, like, Tech, once again, in a way, like, just kind of like the West Virginia game. Texas Tech did not play well last night. And you still found a way to lose. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I, it's, it's which like it, again is in a in a in a way is kind of incredible. It's like almost <laughs> kind of in a sick, nasty way. It's impressive that they were able to find ways to lose games, and that's what bad teams do. They find ways to lose games, yeah. especially close games. And when you're not a disciplined football program, when you're, uh, you know, not when you're not. You basically don't give a shit about the details of the game. Players have talked about that. You know, example, Danny Stutz been talking about, about not really laughing about being one foot away or whatever. Like when you think all that shit's funny, you're going to get in these tight games and then you're going to find a way to lose. That's just, that's the way the game is. I, I, well, almost, it's, it's also frustrating because you do see the potential sometimes with this defense. Like sure. you see the tackles for loss. You see, the interceptions. You see guys jumping the routes. Like, you see Danny Stutzman dropping back in coverage. You see uh, Lualu, you know, doing really good things. But, like, it's just it, they don't sustain it for long enough or over the course of a game enough for you to feel like they're really going to make any change. Like, it's, yeah. it's really going to get better. And the season's over now. It's too late. And that sure. was, was kind of – when you watch those videos, that's kind of the frustrating. It's like, guys – Season's over. Like, you can keep talking about how you're going to go back and get things fixed. It's too late for that. Yeah. And like, I, you I ran out of time. Like, do you not get that? That's where the maturity aspect comes in. Like, I, I watched back that Stutzman thing last night. I'm glad that we didn't do the podcast last night because I would have said some... I was, I was pretty fucking pissed last night. Just how all that went down and kind of the... Just who gives a shit attitude that some of those guys have. And yeah, I, like we, we got to move on. You just go to the next thing. It's like then it, you don't move I, on to anything. It's over. Like I, I, I told some buddies, I felt like Augie Garrido, where it's like I have to live with this shit. <laughs> like when he goes on that infamous uh, locker room speech. Yeah. It just there's some maturity issues there for sure. But then again, there there are. It's like you said, Carrie. There's moments where Dan Sussman had 18 tackles last night. Yeah. I mean, the potential is off the charts with him. Just the you, you hope that the light comes on at some point. And, you know, I I don't know if I necessarily feel bad for Brent, but I do in a certain aspect of, like, 
the guy hasn't forgotten how to coach football. Just from a pure football defensive standpoint, the, he knows what he's doing. Well, it, I think it, it has to be piss him off that he like he keeps telling these guys what they need to do, and they just are not doing it. Well, and you know what we've also you know take taken from this is look at some of their starters. Who are their best players? Look at David Aguebu. Like he, he had a really rough night last night at times. Like I, I again, good kid. I might include him in this group of guys, though, that I would say I just I don't know how much more football I want to watch him play. How high can a guy play? He was trying to tackle people's necks last night. Yeah, and that and just, you know, just the athleticism just isn't there in space with him. I mean, he's clunky like he is. And he his we've talked about his angles before. We've talked about his instincts like a lot of that is just not there with him. And yeah. There's somebody, you know, after bowl practices and spring practices, there's somebody going to, there's going to be somebody better on that roster than him next year. I mean, my God, I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. And, and, the, and the same thing with like Ethan Downs did some really good things last night. Yeah. But he also, you know, could not capture the edge. Like the reason that they got going in the running game was because of their ends just getting folded in. Like, yeah. And that keeps happening. That's just who he is. Like, there are certain aspects of this defense that's really good, but the reason it fails ultimately is the Jimmys and Joes and not the X's and O's. Yeah, it 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 was bad. I mean, and it it was bad all year. Like it the I think the 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 crazy part about it is is they do play well at times and they get guys into, you know, third and long, fourth and seven in the fourth quarter. And they just can't get off the field. And I, you know, I there, there's obviously some scar tissue there. They got to continue to develop on the defensive side of the football. And yeah, I, I think that it can be done. Like CJ Colton played really well over yeah. the last four or five games, as uh, well as anybody's played corner since Aaron Colvin. Yeah, yeah. And you even like even as bad as 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 bad as things were last night. Sorry, Zach you Sanchez, go, you, you you did good too. Yeah, Zach was awesome. The, the, I mean, you're in the fourth quarter. C.J. Colton finally makes a play on football. You get a turnover. Eight times out of ten, OU wins that football game. They go down, score a touchdown. Game's basically over. And they just weren't able to move the football. Like, that was the worst offensive series of the night. Yeah, outside and you of know, overtime. it's like, and I hate that because I, after these last two games, well, I would say after the West Virginia game, well, even the OSU game, like, you know, uh, uh, Jason Freeman came after me, uh, Gavin's dad, because, you know, I, I, I said that it was offensive malpractice, just not running the clock out. Uh, and last night, I just felt like that was the weirdest first play in overtime to call is a play to your quarterback where he just gets almost knocked out of the game. Like, it's just like, it made no sense to me. And, you know, a buddy of mine, you can guess who it is, he's like, well, it was a 12-yard gain. I was like, I'm sorry, that's not worth it. Like, find other plays. Find other plays. Like, you're telling me, because every other play that was run sucked. Like, and, and this is my biggest problem with Jeff Levy in the run game. Stop handing the ball off to people who are standing still. Like, run downhill. 
you have a physical offensive line. Yes, they, they get a lot of penalties, and Chris Murray whiffed on a block that ended up costing them dearly. Uh, but, like, in, in overtime. But, like, just that overall execution of offense in overtime, overtime was just, once again, like, you had a great night, Jeff Levy. Your offense had a great Dylan Gabriel was amazing. Marvin Mims was amazing. Thankfully that you figured out Theo Weiss could play in his last game. That was nice. Um, but, like, there's really not a whole lot to criticize you about except for your, your clock management and your, your really critical d- downs in, in games. Like, it's just some of it is baffling, and it, it makes me question his, his competence at times. And it shouldn't be that way. They, it just seems like when they're when things are going really well, they go away from the stuff we talked about this earlier. Just they, you know, Eric Gray. Where would this thing be without Eric Gray? First off, I know that we yeah. say that ever after every game, but uh, you know, even going into overtime though, it just felt like with the shortened field, they weren't going to be able to hit any deep balls, and it's like I don't know if they can move the football. Because yeah, that's the first seems thing. Like there's, that's the first thing I thought. Well, this does not benefit them. Because it's a shortened field. There's not like the intermediate passing game is not there in the middle of the field. Uh, maybe it's just because they don't have somebody that can go over to the middle and get the football. I think that's more of a Dylan Gabriel thing, just his height. Well, yeah, yeah, that very well could be, uh, you know, one of the I issues mean, there. Congle is even bigger than Rame, isn't he? Taller. And yeah, he's you, taller. And then you have other big guys. And yeah, he can't see the field. You put Guyton in the game. He's massive. Like, I don't think he can see the middle of the field very well. Ah, I'd, I'd buy that. Because and... people keep people kept last night on the mentions, you know, ripping on Levy for not calling anything over the middle. I think that's more on the quarterback than it is Levy. Because yeah. if something – I mean, it's not like they don't run routes over the middle of the field on almost every play. They do. Yeah. And well, and I mean, one of the best play calls of the night was the uh, they slipped Javante Barnes out into the into uh, it wasn't in the middle of the field, but it was down the middle of the field. Right. And he and hit him like he, he, I mean, he hit him, right hit right him in the shoulder in the, pad. I don't know what else he's supposed to do. You got to catch that. No. Like, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that was a that was a big stiff man that could not turn his body to catch the football is what that yeah. was. Yeah, it was. And even with all that said, they scored 48 points. Like they, they scored enough points to win the football game. Uh, it just, it, it seemed like every time that they had an opportunity this year, uh, they just never got going. It never got going in the right direction. And whether it be, you know, pre-snap penalties in the K-State game or turnovers in the Baylor game, it just, every opportunity that they had, they just found a way to royally uh, mess it up. And, you know, I, I think that that's why you go into uh, the off season and it's going to be really interesting to see what, uh, you know, Jackson Arnold brings to Norman when he gets there. I don't know. I, and, you know, Dylan Gabriel was like, I would say very noncommittal about his future after the game, which, you know, I, he's always in a pissy mood after the game. I, you know, it is what it is. He's, He's even just blown off post game after a loss. Yeah. Before. He, he's done that before. I, I don't know. I, you know, I guess in a way I'd go like, where, where would he go? Well, like, where, where are you yeah, going? Where, where do you think yeah, you're going to go? I mean, do you think you're going to the NFL? Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, luck. you are the That's quarterback at Oklahoma. If this didn't work out for you, 
that's on you. That's not on Oklahoma or Jeff Levy or system or anything like that. Yeah. You just threw for 444 yards and six touchdowns. Unless yeah, they, unless the NFL tells you you're a first-round draft pick, you're coming back to Oklahoma. Yeah, and, and unless, I, I, unless, Jeff Levy, unless Jeff Levy said, we're going to go he with does. Jackson Arnold next year, which yeah. I don't think he would ever say. You wouldn't think so. Uh, and by the way, if he's putting in a, uh, in a grade, I can, I can give that to him. He doesn't even need to <laughs> send that in. Like we can, we can get that done rather quickly. Late round. Yeah. If, if that, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. They, they threw for more yards than, uh, tech last night. They rushed for more yards. Uh, they won the turnover battle. Yeah. They won the turnover battle, obviously. Uh, had fewer penalties and lost the game. I mean, if that's not a kind of a telltale sign of what the season's been like, I don't know what is. Yeah, it's it's you, maddening for fans, and I understand the, it. And and the you know the the crazy thing too is is I, it just feels like you know we were talking about how discombobulated things are on the sidelines, uh, like from a game management standpoint. I know I, I realized that Brent and this staff, they were going to go through some changes. Uh, they're going to have to go through some learning experiences, but just seemed like they didn't get, they didn't help themselves very often this year, whether it be using timeouts. Like why didn't they use any timeouts when they knew that tech was going to run? I know there was only 30 seconds left, but yeah, I mean, with the way that Gabriel had thrown the ball, you had a big, you had a big one, and all of a sudden you're in field goal range. Like, why don't you use a timeout? You had three timeouts left. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I think Brent was probably thinking more like, "Am I going to ice him?" Yeah, and and you know, I, if another perfect example of the season, they do ice him, and Joshua Ellison blocks the kick. Yeah, which I, you know, that, you can't blame that. Like, that's not a game decision. Like, oh, you screwed up. Like, that's a hindsight thing that you only have because of hindsight. Yeah, and I, I also think that, like, Joshua Ellison got through the line. Because they everybody, blew the whistle and quit. Yeah, everybody had kind of lightened up. Like, yeah. I don't think that he would have actually blocked it. But who knows? Like, you know, it's easy to say it now. It just, uh, it was, it was, <laughs> it was fucking crazy. I mean, what a year, man. What a year. Everything that could have gone wrong it went wrong at the most inopportune time truly like gabriel getting hurt going into the texas game like everything that could have gone wrong within a game it seemed like went wrong at some point yeah i just i, I it's just such a it's so weird because it's like this th watching i mean like tcu what they did is what that's the role Oklahoma played for years and years. And we all took it for granted, but that's, you know, everybody else kind of beats each other up. You got a bunch of really decent teams in the conference. And then you have one that's even better. Like TCU is just, I mean, I give it up to them just a fantastic year from them, but it just goes to show you the, the margin of error between Oklahoma and TCU it's not really that great. Well, and the, it just like the margin of error just in the game of college football in general. Yeah. Like, I was talking to some buddies this morning about it, and just think about how different things would be right now if, 
and I, I know it's like it's very easy to sit here and say this, but just say that you made some plays in three games. And instead of six and six, you're sitting at nine and three right now. Just think about the tone of what we're talking about and how different that would be. Yeah, if but you, you lost made, two games because you lost your quarterback. That'd be kind of the Yeah. If 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 you're if we're talking about making nine or ten plays more in 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 the course of three or four games, they wouldn't have been pretty by any means, but shit, OU fans have been used to that, not winning pretty. Winning's a lot better than losing. I think everybody uh, has been reminded of that this year. Here's just, here's something to think about too. Is like, oh, you went six and six. It wasn't good. Nobody's happy. But at the end of the day, I feel like the team did get better as the season went along. Like it wasn't like we all talk about. Oh, it's a shit show, and this happened, and look at the stupid decisions that Levy made and Brent made. But like they really they they. Shouldn't have lost at West Virginia. That's not good. But they lost by three. They beat Oklahoma State. Then they lose by three. And before that, oh, yeah, they lost by three to Baylor. Like, it's it's like they were playing. They were in all of their games, if not winning them, versus that team that played against TCU in Texas, which was, you know, the Texas thing probably shouldn't count because you didn't have Gabriel at all. But, like, that TCU game is the only one where you just look at it and you're like, yeah, they, they were getting their asses kicked that day. Yeah. Yeah. Full strength, even no, before it, Gabriel went out. And, and in a weird way, like, I, I don't know. I guess that's going to make people feel better over the next couple months uh, going into the offseason and obviously how they finish out this recruiting class. But it they, they were in all of those games in the fourth quarter under seven minutes left. You're literally talking about two, three, four, five plays that you just have to make. And it's because of all those plays that you didn't make, you know, within those bigger games or within the the four quarters of those games, uh, you know, in attention to details of the game, penalties, discipline, that kind of stuff, it all adds up. And then, of course, you know, it's going to come down to those four or five plays. But again, I, I don't. If you're hoping for Brent Venables to come out and say, this didn't work, we've got to make massive changes, like, I think other than hiring a wide receiver coach, I don't think you're going to see a lot of changes. Because, I again, I, I think Brent, you know, he is a stand-his-ground type guy. Like, he believes in what he's doing. Yeah. And he wants his players to believe in what they're doing. And he's yeah. not going to go make a bunch of changes just because the fans are pissed that they went six and six. Like, he's not looking at it like, okay, I'm in trouble. How do I fix this? He's looking at it like, I know how to fix this. We've just got to keep on this path, and it will all work out. That's who he is. Like, yeah. And, and you know what? It's either going to work or it's not. And he's going to go down in flames, or he's going to go down as a hero and a savior. Yeah, and it's not going to happen overnight, and I think that that's probably the most frustrating thing for fans out there is the fact that you're not going to see, you know, you wanted to see immediate change. Obviously, that didn't happen, and now you got to wait all these months to actually see it because the, you know, the hype train is going to build back up. They're going to get guys coming in. You're going to go through the spring. You're going to go through the summer. 
and then you're going to be right back to where you were in August and nobody's going to actually know. Like, it's almost a kind of a no-win situation. I was thinking about this on the way home. It's like, people aren't going to be truly pleased until they win a national title, obviously. And it's almost become, I don't know, like winning had become almost, I guess people had taken for granted how hard it is to win football games because nobody ever got any type of, uh, I don't know, like, there was like no pleasure in winning anymore. Almost, <laughs> I don't like. I, as well, weird as that a, is you're to not. Say. You, you know that you're not competing on the level that you want to compete on. Like, no matter no matter what, after the TCU and Texas games happened, like it was never going to be better. It was just okay. Give us some hope that you yeah. know next year you're going to get this stuff figured out and you're going to start beating some people and you're going to start looking like the Oklahoma that we're used to seeing. Yeah. And it never and, got to that point. No. And I mean, it. there were moments where it was so far from what should just be in general, a good football team. Like it, it seemed like they just went in the opposite direction at times and it got so bad. It became unwatchable. The question is during the offseason, Oklahoma, are you going to become a Lexus? Are you going to stay like a ratty old, you know, F-150, which those are kind of cool. Um, but you want to be a Lexus, and you want to go to EskridgeLexus.com and check out their inventory, because I talked to Ed this week. He said inventory levels are starting to climb again. So uh, go check them out, EskridgeLexus.com. Uh, go check out the inventories that are starting to fill up. They're going to have cars again. Even the cars that they've got, they haven't been gouging people. Uh, they haven't been charging over MSRP. They haven't had any crazy dock fees. I watched some YouTube video. I don't know how I got roped into it. I was just going down a, a rabbit hole of some guy trying to buy a Civic R. And it was like $76,000 or something for a Civic. Uh, it was crazy. Like people are been getting gouged left and right. Well, Eskridge is not doing that to you. So uh, you could probably get a, Le a Lexus for cheaper than some other uh, cars that aren't luxury vehicles. So go check them out, EskridgeLexus.com, uh, whether it's the IS that Eddie, Eddie drove this weekend and that I drive every day. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, little sports sedan. Uh, or the ES if you need something a little bit bigger. Or uh, the LS, which is uh, the Mac Daddy. Like, you got to be like a – you, you got to have that, you know, BDE to drive that car. I mean, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Eddie. Uh, so go check them out, EskridgeLexus.com. Uh, Eddie has been taken care of. We're proud of them, uh, proud to have them as our official uh, travel sponsor. And, and another season in the books. Uh, we'll see what happens in the bowl game if uh, OU ends up uh, somewhere down in the Dallas area. Uh, maybe we'll have one last go uh, with the Eskridge Lexus. So check them out, EskridgeLexus.com. All right, well, uh, well, we got a, a call coming in from one Josh McQuistion. Ooh. Uh, oh, he missed the call. Uh, I was going up oh, wait i think we may have i'm here him. oh my there god he is. we have him he has showed up yeah after about 12 hours of traveling i am now back at my house finally you're ready to so just hide from your family news. now aren't you just what's well, that you're ready to just hide from your family now or is it just straight to the, the bourbon i i think everybody like once we get back everyone kind of hides 
from each other. The girls are having dinner. They're watching their iPads. Tiffany could not have less interest than me. She's on the couch just hanging out. Like, I came in here, closed the door, and literally no one cared. Very nice. Um, so, Eddie and I, we're 40 minutes in, I hate to tell you. Um, yeah. We, we might yeah, as well I just. I knew we, I was. We have said everything I think there is to say about our impressions <sighs> of the season and the game. Uh, but just overall, you're over real high on the product right now, Josh. <laughs> We're real high on it. Just uh, uh, what 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 are your thoughts? Just just as we sit here now into the regular season, six and six. Uh, we I've already kind of laid down what I think to you know for fans to expect in in terms of you know Brent Venables and changes and and all that stuff. But uh, I'll, I'll, we'll, we're, we'll we'll gladly welcome your take on everything. Yeah, guys, it's what I was thinking about on the flight home tonight was basically like what I'm hanging on to feels so damn flimsy. Like what I'm like when I try to convince myself that like this can all be fine. This can all not be a big deal. It's just like there's the argument for the law of averages. Yeah, a lot of the things that worked out last year didn't work out this year. And I, I get that to a point, but guys, what I'm seeing isn't strictly like, oh, the, the players are just making dumb mistakes. They absolutely are. But you're seeing things that you're like, I, I feel like the people running this situation should know better than some of the stuff you're saying. Like, just game management issues are never ending. And I mean, guys, I, I don't. You know, for all the things we can say about Lincoln Riley, I don't think Lincoln Riley was an immaculate game manager by any stretch of the imagination. No. He no. wasn't one of those guys that shortened a fourth quarter to where you were like, oh, man, wow, he really just made that that go away, that time where they were at risk just faded. Like, he had plenty of moments like that. But even with that considered, this felt like a drastic step backward. Um so I, th those are the things that concern me. Now, at the same time, guys, when I read Theo Weiss's comment, I was like, wow, that's because, I mean, he sees stuff and knows stuff we don't, we can't know. We can't be around. And for a guy like that, that has every reason on earth to be incredibly jaded. Yeah. And he's not. I thought the same like, thing, Josh. Yeah. Okay. There's that, that. Go ahead, Eddie. Oh, I, you know, just speaking to Theo's uh, comments and talking about how much he believes in. Uh, Brent and the direction of the program and things like that. Like, I think to a man, there are a lot of guys that do 100% believe in the process of what Brent is teaching. That's why it's just so hard for me to understand or preaching. I, I guess I should have said that's why it's so hard for me to understand why they were just so undisciplined, why the, the attention to details within the game never seemed to happen. Like, I, that's where I go, are they just saying that and they don't want to come out? Like, I, I guess and t only time will tell. But, we'll Eddie, know. you know this. I mean, Josh, you know this, too. Like, guys in this day and age, they stay – like, they look at it as, like, I, it's not my business to be in his business. Like, everybody's like, live and let live. That's kind of the attitude. Like, so I can see how, like, the guys that have matured are like, no, you guys don't understand – Brent gets it. He's going to fix it. He's going to turn it around. But the guys who aren't mature, I think they're just floating out there in the world, not with a care, without any cares in the world. And they're not, they're not really buying into anything. They're just kind of being themselves. Like, 
just just all about them. I think that's really fair. And I think there are a lot of guys, even guys that we have talked about as part of this, of the future of where this is going, that really need to take a hard look in the mirror and really need to decide, like, am I, am I saying I'm in or am I actually in? Like, because there's, there's just some stuff out there. Guys, like, early in the year, okay, you still have some shell shock. You still have some problems. Okay, fine. But last night... You're in control of that game, and the second Texas Tech goes on that very first no-huddle drive, Oklahoma just nuked themselves. I mean, they, they just went – they turtle-shelled completely. It, it was, I, like, probably as badly as I've seen all year. Yeah. it. Josh, this team, when things went bad, it went so bad, and it went, it went uh, downhill so quickly, like – the end of the first half is just a perfect example of really everything that we watched over 12 games this year, uh, going from up 24 to six with three and a half minutes left or four minutes left to literally being up by one at halftime. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, the, the inability for this team that they just like, they cratered at times. The, you know, you hear it and I know it's kind of a cliche in coaching, but I do think, if used properly, that middle eight can absolutely be a turning point in the game. And I don't think there's any question that Texas Tech sees that in Oklahoma just just fell apart. I mean, they were guys at 24 six. I'm thinking, I mean, and we were talking about it. You guys may have mentioned this. Like, I kind of thought, oh, you might win by 30. Like it, it, they felt totally in control of that yeah. game. And it didn't even feel like the offense was clicking at a really high level at that point in time. But you're like, the defense is just just getting them off the field. No problem. And then Kitley goes, hurry up one time. And it was just like, oh, no, we, we, we can't tackle. We can't stop anybody. And I, I will say, I think there is some case to be made for playing 100 friggin' snaps, going from West Virginia playing that brutal onslaught, then playing, um, you know, 100 snaps against Oklahoma State, and then turning around and doing it again. But at the same time, they should have been rested because they were getting off the field. So, I, I, again, it felt more mental than physical. But I can hear that, yeah, okay, we're a little beat up and still a little tired from last week. I understand that. But, I mean, that that's football, man. That, that's just the way that's going to go sometimes. You know, something, as you guys were talking, I kind of was thinking about this um, in terms of the failures and what, what hasn't worked and, and, and what you're talking about, Josh, just – to me, you talk about in-game decision-making and things like that uh, and how, you know, it, it, it's definitely something, you know, that, that looks bad at times. And to me, the root of it is this. OU has no ability to pick up short yardage plays. Fourth, going forward on fourth down, like the one thing that I think Brent has done right that you guys might not agree with me on is just like, kicking that field goal to go up 48-45, he did it because Jeff Lebby and the offense have given him no confidence that they can pick up a fourth down when they need to. Yep. And the fact that they cannot do that has, like you talk about losing by three, that's a weapon that every other team that they played that's beat them has that they have not had. It's just like and the, play, the play when uh, where I can't believe they didn't, they didn't even give them enough time to review it because they ran the fourth down so fast. But the play where 
uh, Devon, uh, Barnes. Javante Barnes looked like he mm-hmm. definitely got the first down, and then they immediately went up to the line, snapped it, and didn't get it. Like, that's why Brick tried to kick the field goal because Jeff Levy has not figured out his fourth down problem, which, to be honest, we, we, we've offered him something that will work, which is go to the fucking Wildcat. Like, how many times have we said that? Like, and he's like, if you just take Dylan Gabriel and throw him out to the sideline and let Eric Gray take the direct snap, he's going to pick up that first down. And they'd never do that. I mean, they did it last night with Braden Willis, and it worked. Don't you think, though, that Brent, nine and a half times out of ten, is always going to just fall back on the defense, though, and think, I'm going to kick this, we're going to get a stop. Not if if his his offense has shown that they can pick up a fourth and short on a more consistent basis. I just don't know if he, he looks he looks more comfortable faking a field goal yes. than he does running a play on fourth and short. Yeah. And he probably he's justified. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't I don't know that he's wrong. I, the, and guys, like when we talk about this hurry up and like how there have been so many times this year where they're hurrying up and there's no good reason for it. Like I don't get me wrong, I understand that's your offense, that's what you're gonna do. But you have to have some situational awareness. Of, the the Javante Barnes thing is the perfect microcosm of this. Like, we need to give these referees a chance to take a look at this. And what are we achieving out of hurrying up anyway? There's no point this year when you're like, well, oh, you caught them off guard on fourth and one. Yeah, there. that no. never seems to happen. What, what happens is it hurts them because guys miss a block uh, or, or they don't get set like the Theo Wee's touchdown. That was a hurry-up play where two guys couldn't get set because they were going so damn fast. Isn't there, like, a, a part, though, where, like, Brent just had, like, he's the head coach. Tell him to slow down. Yep. I, it's the, a, it's the a hands serious. The hands-off stuff has got to stop because he's got to manage the game. It's a and, serious. Like, he's not stupid. Yeah, it's a serious discussion nope. that they have to have during the offseason. Yeah. Yep. And I just, guys, is there any world where Lebby's going to object? He knows the deal. Like, how how we're running clock and how we're operating in the fourth quarter, that's Brent's call every day of the week. This is, uh, right now, Jeff Lebby's reputation is taking a dump because of this. Because he does not have a defense that can make up for him going hurry up and going three and out. It's also crazy that they have Matt Wells over there on the sidelines and like he wouldn't even say something, or maybe he did. I'd like I would love to know those conversations and why it continued to happen. Every person knows that it, they were running themselves basically out of games. Uh, I think Brent. I think Brent has to. <laughs> I think Brent has to ask himself during the offseason this question too: Am I accessible to the point where people can come to me? Because they don't see something right. Not not just self scouting, but yeah. Does does like, like Matt Wells scared to say something? Yeah. Does Matt Wells feel like if he goes in and says something to Brent that his internal system is going to discourage that? And I'm talking about the people that you know are around him. The the the, the I, administrative I, arms. Guys, I still think it can all be good. I really do. Like, I, I haven't lost. Like, Brent is too smart of a guy and has been around too many successful people. And I, Brent's got, kind of, like I said, there's a part of me that feels like Brent just doesn't know how to fail. Like, he'll find a way to make it work. Like, I, I, 
There's a part of me that genuinely believes that. At the same time, he's got to come with. He's got to ask himself some hard questions because there are things that aren't about talent and they aren't about you know oh guys learning the system and experience. Like your, there are things you're doing, coaching decisions that are being made, whether it's you or someone else, that make it harder to win this game. Like you can, you can't control a lot of the things in the game. You can control the things that okay we're we're up late in the fourth. Let's eat clock. Okay, we're not up late. Let's make good decisions. Let's manage the clock. Let's do some things to get our deep, you know, like to help our defense in all the ways we can. And I, I, I don't know. Like it feels like sometimes there's this stubborn idea of, well, this is the way it's supposed to be, so it's the only way it can be. Man, are you trying to win games? Like that, that that's the whole idea here. And that that's where I get lost a little bit sometimes in that it has to be perfect rather than what's good enough to do the job right this minute. Yeah, and there's there's a little part of me that feels like you know, Jeff Levy has never never been an offensive coordinator at a blue blood, like a place yep. where you have better offensive linemen, better running backs, better tight ends, better quarterbacks. Like to me at times with all the misdirection and the 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 motion and stuff, it's like I feel like he's still running an offense at a place where they have less talent and they're trying to make up for it. Where sometimes it's better just to say, mm-hmm. my guys are better than yours. Let's go, you know, let's go get our yards. And it, it feels to me at times like he's running his favorite plays rather than like, okay, let's set this up. And then by the third quarter, we'll have shown them enough that this is going to free up Jalil when we run this little counter yeah. off of what we what we like. I don't feel like there's a plan for what's to come rather than like, oh, I like this play in this situation. And don't get me wrong. If there's plenty of room for that, too, like, you, you know, like I really love the swing pass on third and six, because especially if I know I'm going to go for it, if I get inside of two yards, like I get that, like there, there, sometimes you got to go with what you like. But at the same time, there has to be some for like some forethought in this is what this is the direction I want this game to go. And as we move forward, I think I've got a big play set up here for Marvin Mims or Jalil Farouk or whoever it may be. Yeah, I mean it's you know we're micromanaging a little bit. Um, sure, hundred percent. But it's just 100%. it's one of those things. Like it's just yeah, we can see certain things that aren't working. Um, we're not getting paid to coach. Uh, <laughs> I certainly would not take Rightfully. that money. Uh, yeah, because yes. I, I, I don't know what the hell I would be doing. So I just, I've watched a lot of football in 20 years. I've seen a lot of really good offensive coordinators, and I know this ain't it. Yeah. That's about the only, yeah, that's I, the best way I can explain it. And guys, in much the same way that we can watch Dylan Gabriel and know he's not Caleb Williams, I, I mean, what you, you this gives you some perspective and I, I think Eddie and I were talking about this at the game on uh, on Friday night in um, in Tulsa like there is I, I I have I knew Lincoln Riley was really good watching it now and going back and seeing some of the old stuff you're like wow like the stuff he could put together you're just like holy crap like it it really is amazing his sequencing and some of the things he would do um just Amazing, and I, I again, I I think Levy has plenty of talent. Like I think he can be plenty good. It's and again, I know people are screaming like, "Oh, they scored forty eight points!" And how are you on Levy? 
I'm talking about more of the season at large. Like there were a lot of good things last night. I'm not going to pretend there weren't. Um, but, and Carrie, you and I both harped on this the second it happened in the game. And I know everybody else did too. The, the throw to Gabriel, that's insanity. It's just, that's, that is not a call you can make in that situation. It just, it cannot happen. We talked about this before you got on Josh. I, I'm sure you know, a, a I'm little sure. bit of that. No, well, just as far as like that play in particular, I think that when you went into overtime and they're running it out on the field, uh, I said it to Dylan Buckingham at the time. They were in trouble because the the field had shortened. You're not able to stretch the field as well as Gabriel had throw the ball down uh, and made the big plays. It just seems like when they got into a small compact area, it's almost like a panic move of we got to go hit this right now because I don't have faith in us being able to pick up two first downs essentially. Which is crazy. Sure. When oh you, yeah, no, it, that's the pro- <sighs> it's a problem in and of itself. Yep. Yep. And that was, guys, that was something coming in. I talked a lot about with Levy is like his, and again, I think we're learning a lot about who was calling a lot of that at Ole Miss or who was kind of the architect behind that. I don't, I, you know, I know it was Levy's offense and all that, but I mean, I, I think it's hard to deny that when I watched several Ole Miss games last year, I didn't see the same rhythm really at any point from Oklahoma's offense. Well, remember the play that happened? I can't remember what game it was where uh, Lane Kiffin knew the play what was coming and it was going to hit big, and he's running down the sideline throwing his clipboard up in the air like 100 feet. Yep. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Guys, I I mean, we talk about this. You talk about not having confidence in the run game. Eric Gray averaged almost six yards a pop last night, and his longest run was 24. So it's not like he was ripping a bunch of big runs or anything. He was going for six, seven, eight. Most of the time, like that, that should be a run game you have faith in, especially when you've got the best, you know, the best offensive lineman or, you know, the best lineman in the game is on your team and Tech's best defensive lineman's not even on the field. Like that's, I, I, I mean, again, uh, I, I feel like I'm, I, and it's probably just where I came into the conversation. Like the, the defense has a whole bunch of holes. I, I talked about it in the report card. I I don't expect any changes. I think some need to be made, but it's just it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, in my opinion, I, if you guys have heard something differently, I'm certainly all ears. But it's just. Uh, by the know, way, by the way, like I said, Josh, you were watching on TV like I was. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no doubt who was calling those plays last night. Who was running the defense? Like Brent and Brandon yeah. Hall were over there just going nuts, signaling things in all night. Yes. Hundred percent. So I mean, people say get rid of Ted Roof. Why? He's not running the defense. Brent is. Why? Why bring him back though? I mean, he's a waste of space. What's Can you he not doing? find somebody else? Right. What's he doing? And guys, if there's one position, the second most of an assistant. Like, uh, unless Deshaun White was spending all his time with the linebackers, I I didn't see a lot of growth from that position this year. I thought the safeties got better as the years went on. I thought the corners got much better as the year went on. 
And I thought the defensive line showed some signs of life, especially considering they aren't overly talented. Um, uh, Especially the interior guys, Jordan Kelly looks like a, a guy that you could pencil in next year and be like, if he comes back, that's a useful guy. And I don't think I would have ever believed I'd say that, but he made some really nice plays over the last month. Yeah, he did. He's, he's, he's flashed for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, that's more of my, like, again, why, why, why does he need to, you know, I, when it comes to Ted Roof, like, I just don't, I, and I never did. So, I mean, I, I want to fully acknowledge, like, this isn't like, this is probably a little bit biased to my original view. But, guys, you can look through the years. Ted Roof does not have a great list of great defenses. So, I don't know what he's bringing to the table. Yeah, I mean, that is it. I mean, you've got two co-coordinators on top of that, so. Yep. I mean, unless uh, unless he got, you know, somebody like Teddy to come in and be linebackers coach. Sure, yeah. Then I uh, think you know, Roof would be gone, uh, yeah. Yeah, or, and or, there's I some, mean, Rufus Alexander could do it. Curtis. You got Curtis Lofton, they're, they're, they're yep. there. I don't think they're Curtis wants there. that job, to be honest. I just – Unless he's changed sure. his mind since the season started, I think he's yeah. he's got he's doing pretty well in the in the investment world. Like he's sure. he's kind of doing the soul thing because he's he it allows him to spend time with family. I think he knows well, being an assistant is your life is not your own anymore. A hundred percent, and and I totally get that. Like I don't think it has to be somebody from the OU tree. Like go get a good young guy, good promising guy. I know the guy that I've brought up over and over again. This kid named Robinson. He's he's been at Florida. He's been at Auburn. He's shown ability as a recruiter. Um, I mean, the last two staffs he was on got fired, and I get that people are going to be like, oh, that that's not great. But he's recruited in the southeast. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of connections down there. And he's a young guy that Brent can teach. Like, he's not going to mind Brent stepping into his room and being like, okay, here's what we're, you know, like, he, there's not going to be that ego there because Brent's got a lot more, you know, I don't know, the proof's in the pudding, I guess you'd say. Brent knows, knows more, has more experience, and that guy can learn from him. But at the same time, you're getting a very active young recruiter that brings something to you. I just... I don't under, I don't, if Ted Roof has nothing to do with game day play calling and just general design, I don't understand what he's doing. Like, I don't understand the purpose. Uh, you're talking about Christian Robinson. Is that the yep. guy yep. that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, what are they going to do? Know, a like wide a, receiver. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to get a wide receiver coach. I mean, yep. That to me, that's I, that's yeah. That, that I I didn't mean to say that nothing would change, but I definitely think that yeah. will. I and I think Ladamian Washington in time is probably going to be a pretty damn good coach. I think it's a little early for him to be OU's wide receivers coach. Yeah, and obviously he that was a thing that he was never expecting to when he signed up. Yeah, hundred percent. You it's know, not, it's like yeah. he he got thrown into a really bad. I mean, not. It's one thing to take a job. It's another thing to take a job in that circumstance. I mean, that that was a brutal way to start your career. And that's another thing. It seems like you know a, a young guy that's probably holding on a little tight to make a fir- a good first impression because 
you know, as as much as they got production out of, you know, Jalil Farouk got better and, and, you know, Drake had a nice year and obviously Marvin, but like you've got guys like LB Bunky Shelton that should have been playing. Uh, Jaden Gibson should have been playing. Like he just didn't, he didn't, because of the situation he was in, I think it kind of screwed the development of the younger guys. It's, uh, like I said, it, it and it's, Guys, the stuff that I'm already, I mean, and I hate to kind of pivot, but stuff I'm already hearing in the portal, it, this is going to be wild. Like, I mean, good players from good programs could be out there. Like, and, and names. Everyone that, everyone that OU barely missed out on will be a Norman, is what I'm hearing you saying. I, God, I mean, the, the one I, and I literally just heard from someone. Um, a former coach of the player involved that it's like there's there's smoke there and it, it's it's a guy that I I it's it's hard for me to think of a guy that could fit OU's needs going forward much better than this guy like I hate to tease it like this but it's <laughs> it's crazy I mean uh, it, it would be ideal for what OU needs if they could find a way to make it work now I don't know if he'll go in but it's definitely being considered and it well, just it shocks me. The thing about it is, is nowadays, uh, and you could look at Tennessee, you could look at USC at a certain extent, the way that you handle the portal, you can change, you know, kind of the fortune of a season within the next couple of weeks. Like, I, I hate to be dramatic about it. I don't think it's dramatic at all. Like, there's going to be guys that enter the portal on December 5th or 6th or whenever it opens here in a week that if you go get them, you can kind of change the uh, trajectory of what 2023 could be almost overnight. Yeah, you know the 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 thing about it is is like who has who has got the best portal building reputation that's out there right now? It's USC. Like it, like A and M is like at the bottom of the charts for yeah development of you know like NIL like it's almost like. A&M has so many people that look like they're going to be leaving. It's like it almost makes you feel like, okay, just promising kids money isn't going to be enough anymore. Like they're going to want to know like, okay, who transferred to your school in out of the portal and actually played a key role and became a bigger name? There's yeah. not a whole lot of schools that can claim that right now. No. And that's kind of like just the – the ultimate gut punch on top of everything. When you look up yesterday and OU finishes six and six, you got Caleb Williams going to win the Heisman Trophy. Lincoln obviously uh, made the right decision for himself. They're 11 and one, probably go to a college football playoff. Shane Beamer's knocking off Clemson with Spencer Rattler. Uh, what else it could go wrong in the Oklahoma football world right now? <laughs> it's insane. I don't. I, I can't. I can't imagine that any quarterbacks are going to want to transfer to to Clemson right now. Oof. That I mean, is Is that you talk is about that a staff is that, that needs an overhaul? That's oh. a staff that needs an overhaul. Is that on DJ or is that on their offensive staff? What's happened at Clemson? Guys, I was listening to uh, I think it was the Cover 3 it, it was it was the Cover 3 podcast with Bud Elliott and those guys. And Buddy Elliott was breaking down their offensive staff. Like half those guys have never coached anywhere other than Clemson except for high school. Like there's no outside ideas. Like it's all, and I mean, 
like that's fine if you are I don't know, like you've been under Mike Leach or you've been under Lincoln Riley or you've been under Lane Kiff, like these offensive minds that clearly have proven themselves. Those guys have been working under Tony Elliott, who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I hate to say bad about anybody at the Virginia program right now because they're they're going through it. But it's just Tony Elliott's track record at quarterback looks worse and worse by the minute. Oh, trust me. I mean, OSU fans feel the same way right now about their offensive situation. Casey Dunn. Yep. You, you just can't like, I, I, I mean, and that's the thing, like, that's what Dabo wanted was this insulated, you know, like, Oh, we just, we just keep growing our guys from within and that's fine while it's working. But the second it goes wrong, you don't have anybody that can come out and say, Hey, well, when we were, you know, at USC or when we were at, you know, Michigan, we kind of did this when we were struggling with some of these three down fronts or whatever the, you know, whatever it is, that's given you problems. You have some experience in that room to come in and say, we tried this and you can kind of create some conversations, some ideas when it's just a, you know, echo chamber of the same people that have had the same experiences. Yeah. You don't get anything from that. You're, you're not exactly a dynamic fix things on the fly type staff. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I mean, look, here's what I would say for everybody listening. Uh, they're like six and six, not what anybody wanted. A lot of people down uh, on the program, on Brent, on, you know, Levy, some on Gabriel. Like, this is an awesome time of the year. Like, the, we've never seen anything like what we're going to see over the next month and two because you got the transfer portal at – doesn't even open until they announce the bowl games, but you're getting people that are starting to announce their intentions to enter the portal. Uh, we'll be finding out, you know, who is going to be targeted by Oklahoma, uh, you know, how that affects recruiting, what happens in recruiting. Uh, you know, there's also, you know, things that are still out there to be decided in recruiting. So it's like, this is a good time. So like, you know, if you're a subscriber, if you've been a subscriber, stay a subscriber. Like it's, there's going to be so much information flowing out, and we're going to keep doing more and more things to get it out there. The transfer portal uh, on Rivals has opened up, and we'll be talking more about that over on the Crimson Corner. Uh, but I would just say this. like A lot of you guys signed up a year ago. Uh, just stay with us. It's going to get very exciting. We're going to be there. Uh, we're, we have already had this discussion. Like this is We've been working hard, but this is where we work really hard leading up to signing day and the transfer portal. We've, we've never gone through anything like this before. So it's going to be long days for us, a lot of information out there uh, that you guys are going to want to catch every minute of it because it's going to move fast. So I don't know, Josh, if you want to uh, chime in on that. I mean, it's, it's, I, I can't uh, impress enough on you just, just how much stuff is getting ready to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, because, guys, I, I know we're already starting to see, you know, names hitting the portal and, you know, Ish Harris from Texas A&M is a really interesting guy that OU probably came up second for last year, uh, connected to Sean Cooper and all those guys. I mean, and that's just that's just the start. Like they, you know, once the portal goes really live, there are going to be it's going to be a flood. I mean, it's going to be the biggest year we've seen so far. And when you look at how active OU was in the portal last year, even even though they kind of started behind the eight ball with, with everything already going once once they'd kind of hit the ground, so. This should be very active. You're going to have a lot of signing day conversation. Uh, 
David Hicks, Damian Sanford. Uh, there's a lot happening there. Yeah, Peyton Bowen, obviously. So it's crazy that a team that is six and six has this much potential to bring in uh, some massive quantities of talent that could really, really fix. Uh, you know, I mean, fix is strong, but can start to lay the groundwork for how this all gets better. Got to make that SEC move sometime. By the way, Luke Fickle, how about that today? It's a Talk great hire. Big 12 teams coming it's in. It's a great hire. Great hire for Wisconsin. I'm shocked that he actually made the move. I, I I thought if it wasn't Ohio State or like Penn State, he'd never leave. Yeah. Or Notre Dame. But I, I thought those were the only ones that were even – He might have made a mistake. Ohio State might be open pretty soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You talk about teams like that's the. I thought about that the other day. Like that's the worst. Like those are the seasons that I hate the most. Is when you're undefeated until late in the year, and then it all falls apart with one game. Like to me, and you find out you weren't nearly as good as you thought you right, were. Right, exactly. Like it was all mm-hmm. a mirage. Like that is because like Ohio State fans. Like I've seen some of them. Like they are, they are losing their minds. They're questioning everything. Like. Uh, now it's been two years that they've got beat by Michigan and a Jim Harbaugh who seemed at times to be as uh, aloof and uh, crazy and weird to the point where you wonder if he's even sane. Like, now he's dominating you. So it's like, is Ryan Day even the answer? Like, it's just a, it's amazing. It's a total shit show. And I'm glad, you know, I would take six and six over that right now. Uh, I'll I'll sign me up for eleven and one. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Eddie on that one. Yeah, I don't I don't even think it's a question. But at least but, we've had time to process that this team isn't what yeah. we thought it was. No, I to I, have it yeah. ripped out from under you all in one weekend like that is the worst. I'll take eleven uh, and one over, over having to think maybe I need to go buy self help books so I can <laughs> feel better about myself. God, I mean, guys, but I I'll West tell Virginia you, really I, broke this man. Watching that game yesterday, I, I don't think Ryan Day's the guy. And, I, and I've been one that's been like, I think the whole offensive genius stuff is real overplayed. And I, this, I mean, he, guys, he, you could tell in that game when he, when he went and punted inside Michigan's half, you're like, he blinked. He just blinked. And you could tell the whole team felt it because all of a sudden Michigan starts g- just gashing them in the run yeah. game. Yeah, it was a it was an ugly ugly way to lose. We like we like making fun of Jim Harbaugh. I I love making fun of him at least, but there's no doubt that you know he's gotten this Michigan program. They're they're tough. They play really good defense, and uh, they run the football. I mean, they they do the things that you have to do uh, to win the game. They're disciplined. I mean, guys, the way Ohio State recruits, this is like I'm trying to think. This would be like if Auburn just went in and smacked Alabama in the mouth and just went like, you know, like as Auburn's talented, Michigan's talented. They're nowhere near as talented as their chief rivals. And to just go in and get physically dominated yeah. by a team that does not have the NFL talent that you have. There was man, no fluke a, about that's a what huge happened. Red flag. It was a, no, it was man, a bad look no. for Jim Knowles. I, you know, and I get that people are going to say that guys, they had 360 yards on like six plays and the rest of the time they averaged like it was something like 3.2 or 3.3 yards per play. Like 
they just got gashed a couple of times. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It's some of the same stuff we saw against um, OSU last year in Bedlam when he just refused early on to play zone. And OU was killing that man to man. And then he finally was like, in the second half, he's like, I, I, I can't. I'm, we're going to lose if I keep doing this. Yeah. And he went zone, and they finally started getting some stops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, look, it's, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, TCU, I, it's going to be really interesting to see that matchup with K-State. But Yeah, it should be really good. I think all the all of the uh, championship game weekend stuff is going to be really good. I'm you know, obviously going to have some interest in what happens in the Pac-12, and Big Ten's going to be an ass-whooping, but should be fun. Yep. Uh, that North Carolina-Clemson, that that's going to – or is it is – it, it's the, did North Carolina make it? No, I can't remember no, if they North lost. Carolina State, that, North Carolina State won. So, the, the, so it's NC State and Clemson? Uh Oh, you mean to the championship game. Um. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how yeah, that yeah, worked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know how. I don't know how that I worked can't. out. Let's see here. God, it's got to be somewhere here. Uh, anyway, anyway, I, I'm trying to pull it up, but I, yeah, North Carolina and Clemson. Yeah, that. I, I'm telling you, if North Carolina went out and won by 14, it wouldn't shock me at all. Like Clemson, feels like it's been on the brink for a while, and then to lose like that, I boy, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and, and what. DJ threw for like twenty eight percent in that game completion percentage or something crazy. Oh my god! Yeah, it was awful. I that's bad. So, all right, well, Josh, uh, man, I appreciate you jumping on with us, and uh, we'll be back again for the unofficial forty uh, later on this week. But uh, hope everybody had a great holiday, a great Thanksgiving, and uh, man, um, we'll continue to talk about it. But uh, yeah, definitely, if you're not signed up for the website, it's a great time. We've got a promo going uh, from uh, Rivals, $22 for an entire year for people that have never been subscribers before. So I uh, hate to say it, if you jumped on that program uh, program last year at this time, not eligible. So, uh, But, hey, you got a great deal last year. You know what we're all about. So uh, sign up again. Let that credit card just pop on through. So. There you go. Uh, Sooner Scoop Store uh, as well. I've noticed we uh, sales are starting to pick up. We really appreciate that. Uh, as I know a lot of people are trying to get some Christmas gifts, and we're going to get better about uh, sending stuff out uh, on a daily uh, basis now that we're getting closer to the holidays. So uh, we'll make sure we get you your stuff there by Christmas uh, if you, as you order it uh, right now as well. So, uh, guys, thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Eskridge Lexus, the uh, final regular season game. We'll see what happens with OU and bowl games. Uh, but they are eligible. There will be another game. They still can Liberty finish or Texas probably. above 500. Um, one last chance to do that. So uh, stay tuned. We'll keep you uh, up to date on everything going on with the portal, recruiting, bowl games, prep, all that stuff. Uh, and we'll see you next time uh, on the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast.